0: Welcome to Fresh Off the Set. I'm Carrie Hawker-Diaz. And I'm Brooke Mingham. Thank you so much for tuning in again for another episode. And this one is not going to disappoint. I guarantee it.
1: You know what? We are so lucky to be able to talk with Mary Nichols. Be Mary Nichols. She's like a national treasure, right? She
0: is. I remember when I first started working here, she was one of the first people that came up and said hello to me. And I remember being Aww. so starstruck because i had been watching her on the news for years. Like, she's just this larger than life personality, and she is exactly who she is on TV in
1: person. She's just kind and wonderful and just
0: such a good human being.
1: It's so true. And I wish on the news they could have a little bit more humor. Obviously, you can't because it's the news because she is so hilarious. She's probably one of the funniest people I know.
0: I love watching her harass Ron. <laughs> yes. It's so funny. They're her, her work husband, as she's dubbed it, they are so funny together. And Mary is just such a kind and wonderful person. I remember when I first started auditioning to try and get on the Fresh uh-huh. Living I came home and I was so excited about to tell my mom, Hey mom, I did this. Da, da, da. And my mom doesn't ask anything about my day. She just goes, but did you meet Mary Nichols? <laughs>
1: but did you meet Mary Nichols? She's a national treasure. Like you said, <laughs> she really is. And she's the nicest human being. It's so fun to see her around at the station where she loves to chat with everybody. She is just so kind. And, um, October is breast cancer awareness month. And so I sat down with her and we talked about her story. She's open about it. Um, And her job literally saved her life.
0: How many people can say that? Mary can. Mm -hmm. And she is so wonderful to be sharing the story and inspiring so many people that are fighting cancer or who have fought cancer or who have maybe lost somebody to cancer. So should we take a listen to her story? Let's do it.
1: I am so excited to introduce our guest of the day today. She's a friend of mine, a coworker, someone I look up to, Mary Nichols. Thanks for doing the podcast today with Hi, us. Hey, I'm excited. You know what? Just to I, chat. Well, I love to see you because I get to see you every day, and I just can like peek over from where we sit in our Fresh Living Island we call, <laughs> and I peek over and I see the new set, and it's just it's so fun to like work with you and actually have you as a, a friend of mine. So. Well, and usually
2: we're running past each other. Yes. Doing something on the way. How's it going? Oh, good. I've
1: got to talk to you. Okay. Yes. So it's good. Thank you for taking 20 minutes to sit down with us. Um, So it has been 10 years, almost 11 years since Mm -hmm. you survived breast cancer. It is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. What are your thoughts about it as you sit here right now?
2: That I learned way too much about mm-hmm. breast cancer mm-hmm. and cancer. I mean, and to think it's like I have Facebook memories pop up and say 10 years ago today I finished radiation treatment, I had my last treatment, or uh, my hair was coming back, or I had my first haircut, that kind of stuff. And it just, over the years, you just learn so much about, n- uh, not just about cancer or surviving, mm-hmm. but about people mm-hmm. and how everybody's different. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a good point. You probably learn a lot that you don't want to know.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, every cancer is different. Every mm-hmm. treatment is a little different. Every body's reaction is different. Every person's support system is different. You know, it's it, it, there are so many different factors that it really is uh, totally different for everybody. That's
1: very true. Well, and walk us through when you found out you had breast cancer. And from what I remember, it was because of a TV segment, right?
2: Well, I've been doing Check Your Health for Channel 2 for 27 years, mm-hmm. 28 years maybe longer. And I've been doing medical reports one to five days a week. I do check your health. I mean, for a while there, we were doing a local health story every day wow. for two news at five. And well, I, this one, Jess Gomez with Intermountain Healthcare, their PR guy called and said that we want Mary to come in and get a, a mammogram mm-hmm. to show how easy it is. Because Utah women, we were the second lowest in the country for getting wow. mammograms, even with insurance. Utah, And we're still at the bottom. But they said, if she shows how easy it is, and it's no problem, and it could save your life, and I thought, well, I did it when I turned 40, Mm -hmm. and I thought, well, I've already done it, so it's kind of a a repeat of the story. Can we find somebody younger, Mm -hmm. you know, and and more of an example of, hey, you need to get started at 40, Sure. because I was 48 when it happened, and we couldn't find anybody with real boobs. Um, so <laughs> kind of important. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> you can still do it with implants, right? Right. Okay. Right. Um, but so I did it and did the story, and it was not with my regular doctor. Doctor Parkinson usually does all of our mammogram stories. He was out of town, so it was uh, with a different doctor, and I. And it was the first time he'd been interviewed, so he was a little nervous with doing the whole TV story, and it. Uh, they put my mammogram up on the. During the interview, you could see the, you could see the tumor. That's, that's And uh, he was, I, I think he wanted a second look. He wanted to make sure, mm-hmm. and he didn't say anything, but I misread his anxiety. Mm-hmm. I thought he was nervous because he was doing an interview for TV. Sure. And he ended up being nervous because he saw a tumor. And so he's mm-hmm. saying, you need to come back and meet without the crew there. He's like, you yeah. need to come back. We found an, an area we want to get another look at. And, and I've had dense tissue. Every single time I've had a mammogram, I've had to have another look. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks later, Dr. Parkinson called and <laughs> said, um, no, Mary, we need you to come in. And then I knew it was bad. So
1: Did they do an ultrasound the next? Survey? Yeah,
2: Dr. Parkinson did the ultras- uh, ultrasound and biopsy the same day. So okay. I knew it was bad. And it ended up being, um, I had done the story, the story aired about the mammogram mm-hmm. and go get a mammogram. I looked in the camera and said, It'll you know, save your life. a few moments of discomfort could save my life. And it did. And My job saved my life.
1: All from a TV segment. Yeah. It really is yeah. honestly incredible. Um, what happened during the various stages? If you can talk about um, of your battle, different treatments, losing your hair. How was that? Especially being on TV. You know, that's a whole nother level.
2: Well, I mean, a part of it, too, was talking to my kids beforehand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't want to go public with it if they were going to be uncomfortable. I didn't want people at school to come up and say, oh, I hear your mom's dying mm-hmm. and have them be worried or anything. Because so we were pretty open and honest about it. And they realized it would be a better story, more powerful if I did share it. Your kids. On the air. Yeah. Your kids. So the, I got their consent first. Mm-hmm. And my husband, of course, knew that it would be more and, and we'll just take it as it comes. I mean, the surgery was actually pretty easy for me. It was a lumpectomy. So it wasn't like very invasive, like a mastectomy or any kind of reconstruction. My, my surgery was pretty, pretty simple. And I had it done right before we were leaving for Christmas vacation. So I already had time off for Christmas. And we mm. had the surgery, I think, on a Thursday, flew out on a Friday morning to Seattle just for, for, to family.
1: And that so that so, was the first step was the surgery. Yes,
2: first step was surgery. Actually a lot of testing and stuff beforehand and that's the bad part, waiting waiting for the bracket test to come back. Because mm-hmm. if the bracket if I was bracket positive for that the gene, then it would have been a double mastectomy and hysterectomy and every female in my family.
1: Oh, interesting. Would have that's the test that. that you can get to see if you're
2: if you're genetically if predisposed. You're genet- to, is yeah. it the BRCA? BRCA. Okay. Yeah, the BRCA. So they had you do that? They had me do that, and waiting for that test was probably the worst part. Ugh. Seriously, not knowing. Once we had a plan, once they said, okay, this is the plan, you're triple negative, which mm-hmm. is another genetic test that they do, not genetic, hormonal test. Mm-hmm. So they had just discovered triple negative as a different type of breast cancer. Five years before I had it? So th- they're making discoveries every day, I swear. Mm-hmm. But uh, triple negative can't be treated with hormone therapies. So like tamoxifen and other chemotherapies are targeted towards hormone-fed tumors. And mine wasn't fed by hormones. It was negative for the HER2, the progesterone, and the other one. I don't know what it is.
1: So it's and, – and I think maybe people that haven't been through – cancer diagnosis don't realize that it's you know it's not just a one treatment for every single person it's right. not like okay here you have breast cancer this is your treatment yeah. here you have this can you know it's so it's so it you have to do to a lot of
2: testing yeah but now that they're finding all the different things they're like well that won't help this type this will mm-hmm. so they can adjust and um, my oncologist explained it as a different cocktail mm. every chemo is a different mixture specifically for your type of cancer. Mhm. So that it's and every breast cancer is a little bit different too.
1: Sure. So, yeah. Sure. Okay, after surgery, then you had chemotherapy.
2: Chemo, yeah. And that was another one it could be a really horrible chemotherapy for triple negative. It's triple negative is they said 10% of breast cancers are triple negative 10%, breast cancer, okay. 10%, but it's 25% of deaths from breast cancer. So it's a very invasive, fast acting cancer that they need to treat quickly. And li- I was lucky to catch it so early. Yeah. So we were able to do just the lumpectomy and then just chemo and then radiation. And chemo, chemo was, uh, was bad. I mean, uh, the, after the first treatment, I, th- I was worried it wasn't working because I felt fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get sick. Uh, my hair wasn't falling out. Mm-hmm. And after about a week and a half, I started to lose my hair. And I was honestly happy. It's like mm-hmm. I, I honestly called my oncologist and said, OK, we might have to change because I don't think this is working. Nothing's mm-hmm. happening. Did, yeah. did we get a bad batch or something? And he said, oh, no, we got the right stuff. You know, just wait. And then my hair started falling out. And I thought, okay. And I had my kids buzz my hair. Um, it started coming out in big clumps. So I went wig shopping and did a story on that. Mm-hmm. And then I did, um, I had the wig ready once they buzzed my hair and because it was falling out in big Big clumps.
1: Did you have to go? Did you with your chemotherapy schedule? Did you go weekly? And what does it look like when you go? Is it an IV? Is it pill form? Because I know every it, it's different for it, everyone. It is different.
2: Um, I went every three weeks. Okay, once every three weeks, and I would go in on a Friday, so that if it knocked me down, I, I had the weekend to recover. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's IV, and they hook you up to whatever cocktail you have in the bag. Right, and they do a saline. They also do um, a steroid that that helps keep you from getting too sick okay um and everybody else has has different stuff too depending on the type of chemo that you're getting the ty- depending mm-hmm. on the type of poison yeah. basically they're poisoning you right yeah and i did a story with my oncologist about what it is what's it doing and I, and i said it, it's kind of like blowing up a city mm. to catch two bad guys mm. and That's he a said good way yeah it. yeah it's collateral damage and it really is killing all fast-growing cells So I did one of the other stories was on why chemo and what does it do, and it's kind of the little science lesson. Cancer cells are fast-growing, and the other cells that are fast-growing like cancer are um, your hair follicles, Mm -hmm. your stomach lining, um, and that's why you get sick. Mm -hmm. And your nostril hair comes out, so your nose runs, and your taste buds are fast-growing and have fast-growing cells. So those die, and you don't taste things as well. So there are a lot of different things that, that it affects, and it gradually gets worse. It compounds each time you get the treatment. Every time. So every time I went back and I ended up going six. That was my next question. Treatments. How many, yeah, you
1: went so sick. So every yeah. three weeks. Yeah.
2: Every three weeks. And, and it really does compound. So the brain fog, you get a little fuzzy, you get a little, probably like Alzheimer's. Like you kind of forget mm-hmm. what you walked in the room for, mm-hmm. or I think they call it
1: ke- chemo brain, right? Chemo brain. Yeah. I've yeah. heard that many times. Yeah.
2: And I've also done stories on concussions with, um, Neurosurgeons, and they there are things you can do to exercise your brain to fight the chemo brain. Oh, interesting! Just like concussions, to recover from a concussion, there are little brain brain age games exercises that you can play. For your brain. Little exercises for your brain to help you recover and regenerate your your brain again.
1: Well, it, you are an incredible human being because I mean, <laughs> not only have you been through way too much for you know a human, but um, you only missed. A few days of work dur- during all of this is that it, right
2: yeah there were a few mornings where I came in you know it's like when you wake up and you feel like I might have a the beginnings of a flu I got a headache and a sore throat and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just get put my makeup on and get dressed and go to work mm-hmm. and I do that every morning but there were some mornings it's like I did the morning show and it's like I was green and feeling pretty crappy and I go home after the four and a half hour show
1: and what time do you have to wake up every morning
2: I get up around 1 30 1 30 yeah So middle of the night. To be here at 345.
1: Yeah, yeah, and not feeling good. And to be able to just say, you know what, I'm going to get up, I'm going to try.
2: And I joked and said, fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. And really, that's what I would do every morning was get up and say, okay, I can do this. And fake it until it's like, okay, yeah, I am awake, I am at work, and we are doing this, and I'm doing okay. So
1: Maybe kind of a distraction in a way?
2: We Definitely. Yeah, I realized years later that having it be a story is part of what helped me get through it. Everybody deals with it a different way. You have your own defense mechanisms. And mine was, I was doing a story on somebody else going through it. So I had this wall, a division of me personally. It's like, so if anything ever happened to me, it's like, okay, how would this be in a story? Mm -hmm. And that's what gave me a a little protection. But then when I realized that, it's like, oh, wow, that really sucked.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, and how how did viewers embrace when you, you know, went public with everything. And I know that you've been, ever since you've been so supportive with foundations and um, spreading the message of get your mammogram, get, you know, and um, such an activist for it. How did viewers embrace it? Um, it,
2: Differently. I mean, Mm -hmm. some people cried when they saw me because they thought I was dying. Mm -hmm. And I hated pity. That's not why I did it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But others said I was brave. And others said you're... you know, why are you you doing this? Why are you sharing something so personal? But or, or others said you're so brave. But I've met people who didn't even tell their family that they were going through this, but they deal with it differently. Yeah. And for me, the, the the viewers, everybody was different. I really did get different reaction. I mean, Facebook posts and that kind of thing. I'm more trying to turn it into hey, get your early screenings. Yeah. Not, not just breast cancer, but all screenings. Sure. In fact, I helped with in, like the Image Reborn foundation. I helped them before I had breast cancer.
1: I love that foundation. Talk about I mean, that They're a amazing. Bit.
2: But, uh, but I also helped, I did the race for the cure. I did that kind of stuff before I had breast cancer because mm-hmm. I wanted people to get their screenings and catch it early because I do health reports. And that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We try to save lives and get people <laughs> to catch stuff early. Um, Image Reborn is um, uh, Dr. Renato Saltz um, is a plastic surgeon and he did breast reconstruction after cancer surgery. And he said he realized that women needed more than just physical healing; they needed mental help and rejuvenation and, and support from and family, friends, community. And this and what it is is they they it's a totally free weekend where you're pampered. They have the food donated. They have yoga and crystal bowls and massages and mani pedis and you but you're bonding with these other survivors. That's we're, what I was going to say. You're like around you. other
1: people that have been, you know, through similar stories. Yes,
2: and, it, and it's just amazing to to get that bond. And I was actually on the board before I did a retreat for a couple years, and then I finally did a retreat. I was thinking, I'm not the kumbaya kind of, you know, self-help it per, kind, of, kind of person. And I loved it. I, w- I thought I'd just be the comedic relief, and and I was, but... Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we love Imagery Born Foundation. They've been on the show on Fresh Living multiple times. So yeah, they're they're amazing.
2: There are a lot of. Then one thing I I noticed going through everything is there's not one umbrella. There are so many little organizations like Imagery Born, and there are and the American Cancer Society and the Breast Cancer Research Foundation mm-hmm. and Susan G. Komen and I mean and but who do you go to? You don't get diagnosed and and make one phone call. There, You don't know about all these different organizations. And there were a bunch of others that because I was on TV, I found out about them. They sent me something to the station, or they sent me an email saying, hey, we have these services available. Not everybody gets that. Mm-hmm. So I tried to share what I was learning while going through it, but I wish there was one umbrella where everybody said, okay, well, if you need help with housing, or if you need um, a, a, a ride to your appointments, mm-hmm. or if you need...
1: Financial assistance. Financial,
2: you know, or... um, A friend. The (laughs) American Cancer Society has the uh, Hope Lodge.
1: Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know about it. That's a fantastic organization.
2: And I was overwhelmed. When I was diagnosed, I honestly had a stack, probably a foot tall, of papers, of folders and forms and pamphlets about cancer, about chemo, about... And I honestly didn't even open them Mm -hmm. because it wasn't me. It was this pile of stuff about cancer and I'm only three pages in all that. So I, it, I think the, the resources are overwhelming because there are so many people wanting to help. And that because we know so much, and we're learning more every day, I think it's pretty overwhelming when you become a patient. Absolutely. And you wish there was one person. And you wish there... I mean, we ended up needing financial help because we were getting... Actually, it went on... A, not a financial help, but it went on our credit report mm-hmm. from the surgery. It was $150... Gauze pad or something that ended up not getting billed properly. Mm-hmm. And we found out like three years ago that it was still on our credit report. Oh my
1: goodness. Just we ended re- up
2: paying it, but it's like, but it because it went the wrong place. You don't have a financial help person like that. Yeah. Because you have your oncologist, you have your radiology oncologist, you have your um, surgeon. You have your breast cancer surgeon. You have the plastic surgeon if you need that. You you know, and there are all these different. You don't have one person taking over your billing.
1: Right. And that's a whole other job. That's like a whole other full-time job. Yes. And um, it's good that we have all those resources. I imagine it can be.
2: I always say with insurance... Like with car insurance, mm-hmm. you get in an accident, you have one agent who handles everything for you, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a health crisis, you should have one agent who handles everything for That's you. That's very
1: true. Don't you think? Yeah, I would absolutely We do. should run for office, Carrie. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm motivated. We, we got this. Um, if, if there's anything, mm-hmm. what message do you want people to know about getting your mammogram um, immediately? If, you know, you're feeling a lump, if you're worried, if you're, you know, what kind of message do you want to well, send? I think the biggest message
2: is everybody's at risk. I had so many people say, "Oh, I don't have I want to get tested for the BRCA gene to find out if I'm at risk." You're at risk mm-hmm. whether you have the gene or not. The, the BRCA gene is less than 1% of people with cancer. Less than 1% of breast cancers are the BRCA gene. So, no, Dr. Parkinson said it's 95% of women with who be who end up being diagnosed with breast cancer don't have any cancer in their family. Mm-hmm. So everybody's at risk get the screening. As soon as you f- do the self-screening until you're 40, and at 40, you're recommended. If you have a family history, start earlier and, and talk to your doctor, but not just breast cancer. Get your colonoscopy when you can. Yeah. Get your vaccinations, the flu vaccine. Our doctors are so smart, and that's one of the other things I try to stress through all of this is how lucky we are, Yeah, how lucky I am. Not lucky to have cancer, but lucky to be in such good hands, and lucky to have caught it early, and lucky to have the support system I have, but lucky to have the research. I mean, when I went through the testing, there was the BRCA test, and just a few others, I think three or four other genetic tests. Now there are 47. When you're diagnosed, they do 47 genetic tests to see, okay, what is this connected to?
1: It's mind-blowing how far we've come. It is.
2: It really is, and we're so lucky. We're so lucky. So get your screenings, do the recommendations. My mom died of colon cancer because she missed her screening, mm-hmm. and she was only sixty-seven. But if she would have gone in at five years when she was told to, it would have been a polyp and it would have been removed. And she waited till two years too late, and it was too late. But it doesn't have to be. You can get your screenings. Right,
1: mammogram. I've had two actually. Mm-hmm. I'm forty-one. I've had two because it is in my it, it runs in my mom's um, side of the family. Mm-hmm. But now learning from you that everybody's at risk. So I'm mm-hmm. even more glad I did but um it really is not as bad as it's you not. think it's like a little hug for the boobies yeah <laughs> well <laughs> you know? and, and I
2: always tell people it's just honestly a few seconds yeah and it's not bad the flatter they get it the better they can see yeah I mean imagine I've always thought of it just like a little ball that you squish and the flatter it gets the more you can tell they just what's inside see what's going on yeah. yeah and if they see any little dot they can check it out yeah yeah and that puts your mind at ease
1: Absolutely. Much yeah. easier than, you know, oh having to deal with something later on if you can mm-hmm. catch it early. So, yes. well, you are a superhero. You are an oh, inspiration. Yes. You really are. <laughs> I know you hate when people say this to you, but you really, you really are a, uh, many people look to you as an inspiration. I hope you know that.
2: Oh, I hope, I hope it helps.
1: It, it you have, you have uh, absolutely, you, you continue to help people. So thank you for sharing your story with us today and uh, we like to end an interview with a quick five. We call it the Fresh Five. Okay. So it's a little quick questions I'm going to ask you to get okay. to know you a little better. Um, would you rather travel back in time or travel to the future if you had a time machine?
2: Uh, back in time.
1: Back in time. Would you just rather for be, family. Just for family. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather be an artist or an athlete? Athlete. Are you a text or a call person? Both. Both, depending <laughs> on the situation, right? Yeah.
2: Okay. I, I know younger people uh, text first and say, hey, mm-hmm. can I call you?
1: Sure. Yeah. Would you rather have a personal chef or a chauffeur? And you're a great cook, by the way. I've had plenty of what you... I love to cook, but I, it would be fun to have a personal chef to cook with. Okay. Yeah. Personal chef. There you go. <laughs> um, last one. Are you a book or a movie person? With this shift, I'm a movie person. I used to read books before bed every
2: night. When I have to get up at 1.30 in the morning. I'd rather have a half hour sleep.
1: Yeah. So, if <laughs> I think I, anyone would take that. A good okay. night
2: is five hours. And uh, if I'm reading a book, I would cut into that. Yeah, so, yeah. I like that.
1: <laughs> Mary, of course, we can see you every morning. Um, tell people the hours and where we can follow you to. Every morning, it's Ron and Mary uh,
2: from 425.
1: AM, at, everybody. AM, AM until
2: 8, <laughs> until 7 yeah. on channel 2. And then from 7 until 9 over on KJS Channel 14. And Jade Elliott anchors the 8 o'clock hour with us as well.
1: Well, so, we are so lucky to have yeah. you. And then
2: the noon hour on KUTV. And the noon hour, right, yeah. Noon hour on KUTV. Mm-hmm.
1: And you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, of mm-hmm. course. Um, we're so lucky to have you here at KUTV. And also, I'm so lucky to have you as a personal friend. So thank you. you for doing this podcast. we love, I love you, you. love you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to another episode of Fresh Off the Set. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And we will see you next week.